This sermon is titled The Gift of Righteousness Part 2 Be enriched as you listen Last week we uh, began our series on um, the gift of righteousness uh, it's a two part sermon series so if any of you missed last week's um, sermon request you to go to our website our church website and you can access uh, last week's uh, sermon last week we stated that the god we serve is a god who is absolutely righteous he's holy and sinless and as we approach this god there are times when we are overwhelmed or we filled with uh, guilt with shame and condemnation even as we approach this holy uh, god and we we just kind of picture or imagine you know god is just waiting to reveal our sin expose our sin or we just imagine that he's waiting to judge us and condemn us but that is not true because that is not what the word of god says the word of god says that you know when we accept jesus as our lord and savior we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light we are now children of god and as children of god when god looks at us he looks at us as those who have been made righteous and those who have been justified so what does it mean that god looks at us as though we have been made righteous it means that we are in right standing with god what does it mean when we say that we have been justified before god it means that god looks at us or he sees us just as if we never sinned so to be justified means god looks at us just as if we never sinned isn't that amazing church you know this holy god looking at us just as if we never sinned can you all repeat this after me and say it bold and strong i have been justified and god looks at me just as if i never sinned now this truth is something that we can rejoice in but it's something that we also need to take hold of and make it a reality in our life now god has given us spiritual blessings we have our spiritual identity we have our spiritual positioning but we need to walk in our spiritual identity we need to know what is our spiritual inheritance we need to walk in that and we need uh, to live in in that and that is what we also mentioned last week now let me just give you an example for example you know you get a degree in medicine uh, or in engineering or you get a degree that qualifies you uh, to be a teacher or a nurse or a pilot or a chef now what do you do when you get this degree you don't walk around with the degree in hand or you don't put a badge that you know that shows what degree you have achieved in life what do you do now you go around and you practice what you have achieved right you get a job you practice you put into good use what you have studied and when you practice it gives you a sense of identity it gives you a sense of purpose it also you know sustains your very life in the same way we just don't walk around you know wearing a badge saying that i am righteous i'm justified now we need to put that into practice and that is what we stated last week we said that you know even though even as we have been made righteous in christ you know it changes our perception it changes our perception of how we see ourselves spiritually it changes how we think god looks at us and this affects how we see ourselves as we approach god 
it also affects how we deal with shame, guilt, and condemnation. Now, these two areas we addressed in last week's sermon. But it also affects how we stand against the accusations and the lies of the enemy and how we deal with various life challenges or how we face life challenges. So these two areas is what we are going to address in this message this morning. So the first two areas we dealt with last week, we're going to de deal with the other two areas on how, you know, we see ourselves in, in the way we stand against the accusations and the lies of the enemy and how we face life challenges. Now, one way we can stand against the accusations and the lies of the enemy is by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians chapter 6, you know, Paul writes about the armor of God. And in verse 11 of that same chapter, chapter 6, in verse 13, he tells us why we need to put on the armor of God. So he says in, in verse 11, he says, so that you can stand against the vials of the enemy, which means you can stand against the schemes of the enemy. And in verse 13, he says, you know, so that you will be able to withstand the evil day. So why do we need to put on the armor of God so we can stand against the wiles, the attacks of the enemy and his schemes? Now, we know that the breastplate is a very important piece of an armor for a soldier because it's it safeguards all his vital organs. In the mindset of a Hebrew or the Hebrew people, the mindset is, you know, when they think of heart, they think or it represents uh, their mind and their will. And when they think of their intestines or their bowels, it represents their emotions and their feelings. So heart represents the mind and the will. And the intestines for a Hebrew represents feelings or emotions. So the breastplate of righteousness actually represents guarding our heart, our mind, our wills, and our emotions. You know, Satan is all out to get our minds. He's all out to get our emotions and our uh, feelings. So we need to guard our minds, we need to guard our wills, our feelings, and our emotions because he knows that if he controls or takes control of our heart, our mind, and our emotions, he knows that it will affect our worship and our obedience uh, to God. So he puts in thoughts that are wrong ideas, or wrong teachings and lies, or he can even stir up our emotions. He stirs up believers' emotions uh, in condemnation, in, uh, in guilt, you know, in just condemning themselves or condemning others or even criticizing others or criticizing ourselves. He even stirs up our emotions. You know, just for example, you know, you, um, you, you, um, don't, you, you have a quarrel or you have a disagreement uh, with, uh, you know, someone in your family um, on a Saturday. And, you know, this whole thought comes into your mind. You know, I can't go to church tomorrow because of the way that I have behaved, the way that I have reacted. So what we are doing is we are basically giving in for the lies of the enemy when we need to stand on the work, the finished work of the cross, when we need to stand on what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. He also stirs up our emotions in, you know, just, uh, you know, just picking up in small romances um, that can lead us away from uh, God, that can remove our focus away from God. And also he just puts in worry 
anxiety, fear, and we just begin fretting uh, about everything in life, fretting about our future, worrying about our future, being very anxious about our future, and we miss out on the joy of the Lord that he has put into our um, lives. So as believers, how can we guard our heart and our emotions against the schemes or the attacks of the enemy. What you need to do is to put, you know, hold your breastplate uh, of righteousness in position, which means that as believers, you know, we need to bring every thought captive or every thought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to bring every thought captive. We need to bring every thought obedient to the lordship of Jesus Christ. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Another way that we can use the breastplate of righteousness to guard our hearts and our minds is to think thoughts that are true or think thoughts, thoughts that are right. The word of God says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, if anything is lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. So these are the kind of thoughts that we need to fill our minds with. And we need to discard the, the lies of the enemy, the wrong thoughts that he has put in our minds. And we bring those wrong thoughts, you know, obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it under the captivity of our Lord Jesus Christ and replace it with the truth of God's word. Replace it with what God has spoken about us in his word or what he has declared about us in his word is what we need to speak and what we need to um, declare. So, you know, we said that, um, you know, we have been made righteous in God's sight. So some people say, hey, why do we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness when Christ has already imputed his righteousness upon us? People say, why do we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness when we are already positionally made righteous in God's sight? Because when God looks at us, he's already looking at us as righteous human beings. Then why do we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Now, this is not just righteousness that has been imputed upon us, but it is also practical righteousness. Now, what do I mean by imputed righteousness? You know, when I say that God looks at us as we are righteous, it's not because of our own merits. It's not because of what we have done or achieved our works. But like last week, pastors told us in Romans chapter 3, it says that, you know, we have received this freely by grace. And it's a gift of God. So righteousness is a gift of God. And God's righteousness has been imputed on us, which means Christ's righteousness has been put into our account. And also we can picture it this way, like pastor showed us last week, you know, when... Um, we become believers, you know, it's as though God removes that robe of sin and that filthy rags and he clothes us with his righteousness. So yes, it is an imputed righteousness, but it's also a practical righteousness because we need to stand on that finished work of Christ and we need to, to declare that finished work in order to stand against the accusations, the lies, and the schemes of the enemy. We know that our enemy is, is an accuser. As we read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says that day and night he stands before God, you know, accusing the saints. So he's accusing us uh, day and night. And the accusations of the enemy are attempts to bring us under guilt, shame, and condemnation. The accusations of the enemy is also designed to make us feel unworthy, 
unrighteous, unholy, unacceptable, judged and condemned before the eyes of the Father. That is the scheme, that is the plan, that is the strategy of the enemy. And many believers, we know that we have received salvation by grace through faith. But every day we try to do things to please God. Every day we do things to make ourselves right in the sight of God. And when we don't stand up or we don't live up to that righteous standard, now there comes the enemy. He comes and he plants, plants his, his accusations, his condemnation, and we begin to feel condemned, accused, guilty, and shameful. You know, and at those times, we shouldn't be agreeing with the lies of the enemy, but we need to recognize the work of Jesus Christ. We need to recognize the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So, you know, sometimes we agree with the devil. For example, you know, uh, like I said, the, uh, on Saturday, if you had an argument with a friend or family member, your spouse, and uh, you, you, you are you're feeling so bad about the things that you said, the way that you reacted, and, you know, ting-tong, that thought comes in your mind. He says, hey, you can't be going to church tomorrow. How do you behave? Just look at how you spoke. You know, the way you banged the door, the way you screamed, the way you shouted. You think when you go to church, God is going to accept your worship? And then we don't come to church. Take, for example, you know, you, you're driving up uh, to church and suddenly you get angry and you have, a, you know, argument with your spouse uh, or, you know, somebody in the car along with you uh, or you're getting angry with somebody who's driving slow and blocking your way because you're already getting late to church or you're just, you know, cursing the, the traffic, the road and you're so irritated and angry and then you come to church and you say, praise the Lord and you're raising up your hand and worshipping God and ting tong you know, the enemy comes and says, what a hypocrite. You know, just how you behaved a couple of minutes back. You think God is going to accept your worship? You think God didn't see what you did in the car? You think God didn't hear your conversation? And here you're lifting up your hand and saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord and worshiping God. And what do we do? Immediately we put our hands down, we don't even sing, we're just crying out and say, God, forgive me, I'm the greatest sinner, the worst sinner, have mercy upon me, blah, blah. Right? Or, you know, when we don't live right in the eyes of God, we also think that we shouldn't be praying and reading our Bible at times, right? And we stop. And, you know, when we do that, Satan has achieved his plans because he has drawn us away from God's presence, from receiving what God has in store uh, for us. And he makes us feel unworthy. He makes us feel unaccepted, unloved. And we have this whole sense of guilt and shame. Now, what do we do when we face situations like this? You know, the first thing that we need to do is to know that it's God who has justified us. It's God who has justified us. So if we have a breastplate of righteousness in place, you know, we can declare or we know that God has already made us righteous. He has already justified us. We are right in his sight. We have peace with God. We are in a position where we receive his grace and his favor, which does not mean that we overlook the sin. It does not mean we overlook what we have done that is not right, but we say, God, even as you have justified me and made me right, I know that you would help me to live right in your eyes. You would help me to overcome this, this weakness. You will, able, you will be able to help me uh, to overcome uh, this, this, this weakness in my flesh. So it's God who has justified us. And he is the one who will enable us to live right before his eyes. Look at what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 so beautifully tells us.
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So for those of us who are born again, there is no, we are not condemned before Christ. There is no condemnation before uh, us and in, in before the Father. Remember that narrative when they brought that woman caught in the act of adultery and they said that uh, the law tells us that we have to stone such a woman. And Jesus tells the crowd, you know, if any one of you having sinned, be the first to take that stone and throw it at that woman. And everyone quietly leaves. And Jesus, after some time, looks up and he says, woman, did no one condemn you? She says, no one. And what does Jesus tell her? Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. So for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Yes, this is a great privilege that we enjoy, but it's also a great sense of responsibility because this verse says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but for those who walk according to the Spirit and not for those who walk according to the flesh. So if we continue to give in to the cravings of our sinful desires, our sinful, lustful passions, then, you know, there is a sense of guilt and shame which will lead us into repentance, hopefully, you know, if we turn around and ask God for forgiveness. But for those of us who walk in the Spirit, or that means who do things to please the Spirit, to gratify our spiritual nature, our spiritual nature, you know, there is no condemnation. Look at another verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 32 and 34. It says, He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously or freely, along with him, give us all things? And verse 33 and 34 says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Because it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? So the Bible makes it very clear that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It also makes it clear that because God himself has justified us, no one can bring any charge, no one can bring any accusations, or no one can condemn us. So how do we stand against the schemes or the attacks of the enemy? It's to put on the armor of God and also ensure that we are, you know, put our breastplate of righteousness, which means that we need to declare who we are we need to know our spiritual position and we also, you know, make use of the spiritual blessing that God has given to us in order to overcome the schemes and the attacks of the enemy. Now let's turn our attention to how we face life's challenges. How do we face life challenges? How do we overcome adversity? How do we come, overcome difficulties? Because of the gift of righteousness that has been given to us, or God's righteousness that has been imputed upon us. Now we read in Revelation chapter 12, you know, in verse 11, it teaches us, it teaches us how we can, you know, use the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb to overcome the accusations and the schemes of the enemy. Now, the blood of the Lamb is something that is so, so uh, priceless, something so valuable. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he became that sacrificial lamb. He made that full, sufficient, and perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And even as he made that sacrifice and he shed his blood, his blood atones for our sins. His blood 
covers our sin. And because of the, his blood sacrifice that he made, we are also made righteous in God's eyes. God looks at us as those who have been made righteous. And because of his blood sacrifice, God looks at us just as, you know, we have never sinned. We are justified in the eyes of God. So it's important to declare the, the, what the work of the blood, the blood of the Lamb has done for us. Declare it. Speak it. Because, you know, when we, we declare the blood of the Lamb, the, the enemy has no ground to stand against us. Now, the blood of the Lamb terrorizes the enemy. He just flees uh, from you. He just shudders and shivers and he just runs away from you. And that is, you know, how important it is for us to know the significance of the blood of the Lamb and what it has uh, done for us and also to declare it. And what is the importance of declaring it? You know, when we declare it, it gives us a sense of identity. It puts us in a place of, of victory. It puts us in a better position. It also terrorizes our um, enemy. And the other thing that, you know, we can do when we face life challenges, you know, is just to uh, depend on the, the abundance of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, which enables us to reign in life. Like we read in Romans chapter 5, verse um, uh, 17, it says that for by one man's offense... That reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life to the one Jesus Christ. So this verse says the one man is referring to Adam. We know that just because of Adam's disobedience, everything that God made perfect became imperfect. Though there was sickness, there was death, there was pain, there was violence, you name it. Everything, you know, came as a result of Adam's sin. One man's sin. We all inherited everything that has put us into chaos, has put us into pain, in difficulties, and you name it, whatever. But this verse also says that we have received the abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness, you know, to that one Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you know, everything that Satan uh, brought about, everything that came about because of the sin or the disobedience of that one man, you know, Jesus removed it. And now we are in a place where we can reign in life. We are in a place where we can reign over everything that, say, that, that uh, Adam put us under. He put us under sin. He put us under the fear of death and death itself. He put us to be slaves of Satan. Everything, you know, God undid on the cross. He broke every power. And now we can reign in life. We can reign over everything because of what uh, Jesus has done or accomplished uh, for us on the cross. Amen? Amen, church? I don't know if you're excited, but I'm very excited, you know, just to know what is our spiritual positioning, what is our spiritual inheritance, and our spiritual uh, blessing. And also God's gift of grace, or his abundance of grace, his gift of righteousness has put you and me, put all of us in a place of dominion. He's put, it's put us in a place of dominion. Now, in this world, we face many challenges, difficulties, hardships. You know, sometimes it's a consequence of what we have done. Sometimes it's a result of what others have brought about, and we are bearing that consequence. And sometimes it's a direct activity of Satan himself. It's a demonic activity. So when we are living in this world, we are not exempt from challenges difficulties and hardships, but we need to face these uh, challenges. 
Okay, we need to face it. And we, and we know that even as we face all of that, God has, you know, given us the abundance of grace. The grace in New Testament means divine enablement, divine empowerment, and divine favor. You know, it, God's grace enables you, it strengthens you, it uplifts you to come against any attack, scheme, lies of the enemy, and to reign in life. So we have received the abundance of grace, and we also, you know, have... Um, have received this gift of righteousness that puts us in a place of dominion. Now, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says that on the cross, Jesus destroyed the works of Satan. On the cross, Jesus destroyed the works of Satan. Now, the Greek word for destroy there means paralyze, undo, you know, make to no effect, nullify. That means when Jesus died on the cross, your enemy, my enemy, has been paralyzed of all his powers, stripped of all his powers, you know, and he has, is no longer powerful because all of his powers have been nullified. Amen? Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, tells us that on the cross... You know, Jesus disarmed every principalities and all of the powers and made a public spectacle of it, triumphing over them all. He disarmed every principality and power. That means he disarmed every work of the enemy. The, the enemy is no longer powerful. He is no longer, you know, uh, strong enough uh, to, uh, to bring his schemes and attacks unless you, you know, given an opening in your life, unless you think that he is powerful and you are scared of him and then he tries to, you know, terrorize you and scare you and overpowers you. But the word of God says that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that Jesus on the cross has destroyed the powers of the enemy, nullified it, paralyzed um, him. And Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says that Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Jesus is the captain of our salvation, which means when Jesus won the victory on the cross, he is our captain and, you know, when the captain or the king, you know, wins a war, what happens? It's not only the king who is, you know, gained the victory, but all of his kingdom, all of the people in his kingdom also have received that victory. So Jesus, as the captain of our salvation, he shares his victory with us. Amen? You know, so we are standing in a place of victory. We are standing not in a place of defeat, so when you are facing challenges, adversities, and you know Satan is coming against you, you know, don't be scared, don't uh, run to people to pray for you, lay, have many people lay hands on you. Know your spiritual identity. Know your spiritual position. Know what you have received. Know that the enemy has already been defeated. His powers are undone. He's paralyzed in his powers. And you stand in a place of victory because of the blood of the Lamb that was shed for you. And because you have been made righteous in His sight. And because you have been made justified in the eyes of the Father. You stand in a place of victory. You don't stand in a place of defeat. And so you take on your challenge. And you speak against the enemy. You speak against His work. You, you bring Him to nothing. You declare the word of the Lord. And you stand your ground. That's why. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, having done everything, stand. It's important for us to stand. And we can stand only when we know our spiritual identity. Only when we know our spiritual blessing. Only when we know our spiritual uh, positioning. We also need to know that in every situation, God is for us. Amen? 
in every situation, God is for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In every situation, you know, we need to know that we have been made righteous, we have been justified, you know, and God is for us. So not even for a minute, not even for a second, we think that some of the adversities, some of the challenges, some of the sicknesses or the difficulties that we are going through is what God has put into our life. Because that's not true. Because God is for us. This verse says it's not against us. So we, we don't think that because that is another tactic of the enemy. That is another weapon of the enemy. That's another attack of the enemy and the lie of the enemy. So we don't believe that. We don't even doubt, you know, who we are and what God has done um, for us. Sometimes the enemy tells us, you know, because God is angry with you. He does not love you. You've gone away from him. You know, it's a month since you prayed and read your Bible. And because of this, you know, you're receiving all of these curses. You're receiving all of these, uh, you know, sickness and disease and afflictions. Well, that's not true. Because God is not against us, but he is for us. Amen? So we need, we need to be absolutely convinced that in every situation, God is for us and he's not against us. The next thing we need to remember is that in every situation, we are more than conquerors. In every situation, we are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8 Verse 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in any and every situation, each one of us are more than conquerors because God loves us. We are more than conquerors because Jesus has already won the battle. We are more than conquerors over sin or weaknesses of the flesh that we are battling. Or we think that we can just not overcome this uh, sickness. We, uh, or this, we just can't overcome this sin. We just can't overcome this temptation. Or we just can't overcome the weakness of the flesh. And you, f and you just tell yourself over and over again, I just find myself yielding into this um, sin. But Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 6, he talks about our identification. He talks about, you know, the whole thing that, you know, on the cross when Jesus died, you know, he took upon our sins upon himself and the power of sin is broken. The power of sin over our lives is nullified. And Paul says something very important. He says, we are dead to sin. So all of you who have believed in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, you are dead to sin. Which means, you know, if uh, an alcoholic dies, you know, you have his coffin there and you, around him, you put all the latest alcohol, you know, the, the latest brands, will he get up and drink any of them? No. Why? Because he is dead. The same way, you know, Paul says, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, you know, the power of sin is broken. You know, we are dead to sin. Which means sin has no longer any power over our lives and we have the power, the dominion because of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness that we can overcome sin and not yield to it. And we can also be more than conquerors in every situation, you know, um, whether it is, um, uh, you know, whether it's a temptation that you are facing, weakness of the flesh, you can 
conquer it because of who you are in Christ. Amen. So you need to keep declaring this. You need to declare that I am a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am triumphant. I am an overcomer. Amen. Amen, church. Yes. The next thing is what do we do when we face challenges and difficulties is to know that in every situation, God causes us to triumph. God causes us to triumph. He causes us to be victorious. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So God will cause us to triumph. In your workplace, you know, you have to get that um, promotion that is due. You need to get that pay rise. Or, you know, you, um, you have people who are backbiting you and, you know, just putting you down, condemning you. Uh, you know, always saying what you have done is not worthy. You're not up to the mark. There's something that you, you haven't done. And you're so frustrated. You know, you are just you're at a point where you just want to give up and you're saying, God, how long? But God is telling you that in every situation, you will triumph. Or maybe it's one sickness after the other, you know, one pain after the other, one uh, tribulation or difficulty after another. And you're saying, God, what is happening? God is saying, in every situation, you will triumph. So that should be our attitude. That should be our mindset. So even as we wait on God to cause us to triumph in every situation, to be more than conquerors in every situation, we need to have that right attitude. That's what we read in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Remember, we don't yield to the desires of the flesh, but we yield to the spirit. Right? So at those times, we need to keep ourselves right in God's eyes. We need to have that right attitude. We don't stoop down to the level of what people are doing against us. But we, we show them God's uh, goodness. We show them God's love. We show them God's compassion. We show them, uh, uh, you know, uh, God, uh, we, just, we just speak God's blessing um, over their life. So even as we have this right attitude, this right mindset, and we are declaring God will come through for us in every situation. He will cause us to be triumphant. Amen. I like uh, this whole statement says, in every situation, God causes us to be triumphant. It says, doesn't say he may try to cause us to be triumphant. It can be, maybe, but it says in every situation, God causes us to triumph. And the last point, I'll ask the worship team to come up, please. So the last thing that we can do when how we deal with, with um, uh, trials and challenges that we face in life is to know that in every situation, we are overcomers. To know that in every situation, that we are overcomers. Look at this beautiful verse in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It means that those of us who are born again, now we are children of God. We are born of God. We are his kingdom citizens. We are his children, you know, that we can overcome the world. Amen. You can overcome the world. You can overcome everything in the world. You don't have to be, you know, feel crushed overpowered, overwhelmed by the things of this world, but you can overcome everything that is in the world. And it says that this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what do we do even as we wait in every situation for God to cause us to be triumphant, to be prosperous, uh, to be overcomers, you know, um, uh, to be victorious, what do we do? We need to exercise our faith in God. We need to speak out 
our faith. Yes, we have put our faith in God and as a, as a result of it, we are in a place where we have been made righteous with God. We are in a place where we, we have been justified before God. But we also realize that we are in a place where we are victorious and overcomers and we need to put our faith in the finished work of the cross. We need to put our faith in the power of the blood of the Lamb. We need to put our faith in the Word of God and we need to speak God's Word in any and every situation. What did Jesus do when he lived on the earth? He was 100% man. He was fully man. But how did he overcome challenges, difficulties? You know, in the storm, when all of the disciples were looking at Jesus, terrified, you know, and Jesus, they woke up, Jesus, Jesus was seeing their terrified faces, some of them crying, you know. What did Jesus do? He was not terrified. He was not scared. What did he do? He stood up. And he spoke to the storm. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He was not terrorized or terrified of Satan. You know, he didn't say, hey, just leave me alone. I'm asking this fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm hungry now. No, don't bug me. Don't irritate me. Please leave. You know, what does he say? Each time he is tempted, he speaks the word of God. What does he do when he sees the multitudes, you know, come before he reaches the other side of the shore? He does not say, oh my gosh, I'm already so tired. And here are these multitudes. I'm running away from them, but they've caught me. But what does the word of God says? The word of God says, you know, he healed, he had compassion on them and he healed them all. I just can imagine that, you know, God's not going, Jesus didn't go and put his hand on everyone and pray for everyone. It would have taken months together. He just spoke healing. He just spoke deliverance. He just broke the power of Satan. He just broke the power of sickness and disease over their bodies and the multitudes were healed. Now when Jesus did that, he set us an example saying that as a human, when I can do it, you know, you too can do it. You too can overcome the world just as I have overcome the world. You too can speak to the wind, the storms, the mountain, the waves. You too can speak to your challenges. You too can speak to your sickness, your depression. You too can speak to those shut doors, those closed doors in your life. And you can see God coming through. You can see yourself walking in victory and being an overcomer. Amen. So it's important for us, church, to know what we have inherited. To know what God has purchased for us on the cross. Not just important for us to know, but to also understand and also to live out, live out that truth, that live out that reality in our everyday life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Let's just ponder on everything that we have heard this morning. What the Spirit of God has spoken to us. If there's anyone here in this hall who have not experienced the abundance of God's grace. You have not experienced this gift of righteousness. You have come into this place feeling condemned, broken, loaded with guilt and shame because of your sin. This morning, God is saying, I love you. 
I died for you on the cross. Even if you were the only person who was living on the earth, I died for you. I want to clothe you with my righteousness. I want to bless you with that Zoe life, the God kind of life, the fullness of life. I want to fill you with joy and peace. This morning, if you want to invite him into your life, you can just pray this prayer after me. You can say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross, for taking my sins, taking my punishment, so that I can be made righteous in the eyes of the Father, so that I can be justified in the eyes of the Father, so that I can receive the fullness of life, the Zoe life that you purchased for me. And say, God, please forgive my sin. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. If any one of you prayed that prayer this morning, request you to put your hand up, please. We just don't want to embarrass you, but just want to rejoice with you. With all of heaven that rejoices, even as one sinner comes into his kingdom. Anyone here with that prayed that prayer this morning? You can put up your hand. Anyone? Okay, if you pray that prayer and you're shy to put up your hand, you know, our ushering team has a bag uh, which, with some valuable material which will help you uh, to walk in your faith journey with God. Let's just take some time, church, to ponder on what we heard this morning, even as the worship team uh, leads us in a song, and I request a pastor to come and, uh, you know, close with prayer and benediction. You're here with the grace of the Savior, with the heart of the Father, you're all we need. You're here with the hands of the healer, with the power of your spirit. You're here, you're the provider.
Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for what we heard today. Thank you for your truth that sets us free. The truth that just liberates us, Father. We thank you. Father, we thank you for the abundance of grace. We thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to yield to any accusation of the enemy. That you are for us. You are on our side. That you do not condemn us. That there is no condemnation. And Father, we thank you that we can reign in life rule, have dominion over every evil work we can reign in life. We thank you, Father, for that. And that we are overcomers. That you always cause us to triumph in every circumstance, in every situation. We thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, God. I want to just take a moment to just pray for the needs here just pray for our needs just speak healing speak deliverance there are things that are holding anyone and holding is holding you in bondage mind emotions just expect the Lord to touch you right now and heal to deliver to set you free there are circumstances that you need the Lord to move in to intervene expect as we pray that the Lord will do it. And you lift up your prayer to God. And say, Lord, I want you to touch me. I want you to win in my life situation. I want you to come through for me. I realize that, you know, we're in that exam season. Maybe some of you students say, God, I, I really need extra grace this week or in the next couple of weeks to really do well. Well, ask, trust the Lord. Let his hand be on you, empowering you enabling you. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the word that was ministered. We thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. And Father, right now, I speak come into agreement with your people present here, with those watching online. God, in whatever situation of life that we find ourselves in, God, but we want to see a victory. We want to see a breakthrough. We want to see God come through for us so that we can overcome that situation, so that we can overcome that circumstance. Father God, where we can be healed of a certain illness and a disease in our bodies. Father, I come into agreement with your people as we pray right now, as we pray, God, for healing, as we pray for deliverance, as we pray for people to be set free from whatever is holding them in bondage. Father, in the name of Jesus, let there be healing. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Let chains be broken. Be set free. In the name of Jesus, receive the miracle of God coming into your circumstance, coming into your situation. That there will be victory. That there will be a breakthrough in your life. That there will be a turnaround of circumstances, situations. Receive the work of God coming into your life right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray for grace and empowering even for those who are students getting ready for their exams. May they experience your grace. We pray for those who are getting ready for transitioning into the workplace. Lord, let the favor of God go before them. Let doors be opened up for them. You position your people in the right place where they can thrive and they can flourish but they can be very fruitful for your kingdom. Let doors be open for your people. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your work in the lives of your people today. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you, oh God. Thank you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.